Welcome to Rector's Cupboard, a podcast for people who are interested in questions of culture and faith. We ask these questions from outside the institutional structures of religion. We're glad that you're listening and hope that you enjoy and benefit from the conversation. When I left the role of pastor of a fairly standard evangelical church, I'd been in some kind of pastoral role for over 25 years. As it turns out, late 2019 was not the worst time to leave uh, a job at a church. Leading a congregation, pastoring a church can be a difficult job, even at the best of times. There are societal trends, fewer and fewer people attending church, and within evangelical circles, there can be a struggle to attract people to your particular church rather than people choosing the church down the street or the new church plant that draws people from many local churches. Depending on where you are at geographically, the idea of going back to church in the latter days of the pandemic has likely demonstrated that church is not just what it used to be. Is this a good thing? When I attend church, I can feel gratitude and appreciation for being able to gather again, but I feel also among the congregation that there's an emotional and psychological sense of displacement. It's as if people are unsure of what things will be like in the days and years ahead. Will the church, as the congregation has known it, survive? Are you a part of a church? Do you attend church regularly? More and more, people who hold on to Christian faith are actually not attending church, many of them. If this is you, when and how did you stop attending? If you're done with the model of gathering in a big room to listen to a worship band and a preacher, are there any other models of gathering with people of Christian faith that you could see as worthwhile? Our guest today has been asking some of those same questions on behalf of a denomination. He's worked with more traditional churches in helping to start and support non-traditional models of church. After all, well, at least in the voice of a pastor or leader who employs fear and warning as a kind of control, the Bible does say, do not forsake meeting together. Maybe people are willing to meet together, as the verse says, to encourage one another in love and good deeds, but maybe they found that churches of which they were a part are not entirely helpful for such a hope. Things were changing before COVID for churches. That change has now been accelerated. For some, there'll be a mourning of what's been lost, but there may also be hopeful change and possibility on the horizon that has been a long time coming. Our guest today is Luke Edwards. Luke is the Associate Director of Church Development for the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church. He's also a trainer for Fresh Expressions United States. Uh, Fresh Expressions works to support new church initiatives. They do a lot of work in England as well. Luke grew up in a part of the United States that was named the most post-Christian area of the United States a few years ago, though we think that here on the west coast of Canada, we might uh, give that area um, a run for their money in terms of being post-Christian. Luke has been part of the microchurch of microchurch communities for years and has a lot of insight and perspective on various models of church and community in a post-Christian society. He has a new book out called Becoming Church. Uh, You can just go to becomingchurch.net and uh, also a lot of his other work is uh, through his own website called faithfulcommunity.com, faithfulcommunity.com. So Luke, thanks for joining us yes, here thank this you. afternoon. Allison is here on the mic yes, as well. Yes, I am. 
ready to ask some fantastic questions. So Luke, uh, tell us about yourself and the work that you're doing now and uh, maybe a little insight into how that work is related to what's happening in the Christian church, like in this cultural moment. Sure. Well, it's good to be with y'all. I'm Luke Edwards. I'm the Associate Director of Church Development for the Western North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, uh, which is a lot to fit on a business card. But um, (laughs) my uh, main job is helping churches in Western North Carolina, particularly United Methodist churches, um, to start fresh expressions, um, which are these new forms of church that connect with people that wouldn't come to church on Sunday mornings. Um, so I help churches start those. Um, also help churches start dinner churches. Um, and uh, I led a, a network of fresh expressions myself and now um, work kind of more on this regional level. Um, and I also help um, fresh expressions us, which is uh, the national organization um, who helps churches throughout the United States um, and actually um, is expanding to uh, Canada as well. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, coming with Fresh soon. Expressions North America. <laughs> oh um, yeah. So, so yeah, I get to, no, it to started help. in the UK. Fresh Expressions did. Yeah. Okay. As mm-hmm. a, yeah. the church of England, Anglican church mm-hmm. wanting to do yeah, so, new kind of things, same kind of thing you just said of people who wouldn't normally go to church. Yeah. So it was kind of a grassroots movement it started uh, formalizing in 2004. Um, but yeah, the, the Anglican church noticed these, kind of new forms of church taking shape, whether they were in pubs or cafes or parks. Um, and they, instead of saying, no, that's not how we do it. They said, all right, how can we include this into our kind of structure and, um, and fresh expressions as a kind of formalized movement was born out of that. So you have worked at churches as well, like on staff, pastoral mm-hmm. staff and leading worship. And um, these I guess it's different in in each case, but I would imagine that some of these new initiatives and expressions to to large degree don't have clergy as we would often think of it or, or what kind of structures do they have that you've seen? Yeah. So in the fresh expressions that I've worked in myself and worked with um, in North America, they're anchored into a traditional form of church. So it would be this kind of smaller gathering that uh, is an extension of a more formalized church. Um, And so they often are led by lay people, or if they're led by a clergy person, it's like a side project. Okay. Um, Or there are some full-time church staff folks, whether they're clergy or not, who will lead a network of fresh expressions. So that that was what I was doing. Okay. Um, Okay. I was full-time for a while and part-time some of that time leading King street church. Um, and, but I was leading more than one. So I was helping folks start, um, uh, fresh expressions, um, through our church. Um, like some, there's this guy named Mitch in Pennsylvania who, um, he's up to like 14 or 15 fresh expressions that he's helped, um, start out of his church, but he's only, he only attends two or three. Okay. Well, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Only now (laughs) for you personally, I'm just kind of interested in, you know, having worked in a church myself, been a pastor for years and such. How do you, I I would guess we would call it like a sense of call or, you know, uh, vocational identity and, and uh, sense of purpose. The work you're doing now compared to some of that, you know, standard church work you've done in the past. um, How does that resonate with, you in terms of 
you know, your identity and your faith, like, does it feel different than just like pastoring a regular church? Yeah, it, it, it definitely feels different. Um, I think the calling, I, I've had a, a calling to serve the church since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and also a calling for folks that um, have kind of been at the margins of the mm-hmm. church or been excluded from church. Um, so I, I started off as a, a, a worship leader um, in college at Boone UMC leading music um, and pretty quickly in that role, tried to push our congregation mm-hmm. to be um, not just kind of uh, making a noisy cymbal clang on Sunday mornings right. and then going about our business the rest of the week, but to be, um, you know, having worship service be a, a sending out um place uh, of going out into the community, mm-hmm. being connected, serving the poor. Um, and so this was kind of a natural next step after that, where um, I, so actually there was a middle step too, where I was the missions director, but particularly okay. focused on local missions. Um, and then uh, we were kind of stuck in char- charity forms of service right. um, and was I wanted to to build community more and that was how our network of fresh expressions was kind of born. Is there like, I'm thinking about the kind of trends that were happening in the church and you're in North Carolina. So you wouldn't consider North, like quite a few people go to church in North Carolina. Am I correct in assuming that? <laughs> Certainly more than where you were living before in Massachusetts or, or here in, in British Columbia and Canada. <laughs> so it's not so like unchurched, right? But some of the trends that you saw before the pandemic, um, have, have you seen those accelerating or like here in Van, in the Vancouver area, most churches are just starting to open up again after COVID. And you were saying uh, before we started recording that where you are, they've been open for, for some time, but some of the areas that you were working on before, do you see like it's just accelerated now or what's your kind of thought on yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so so yeah, I grew up in Western Massachusetts, which was thoroughly post-Christian. Um, but North Carolina, I mean, it's it's the Bible Belt, but it's it's not that far behind. You know mm-hmm, that, yeah. um, especially as you look at generations, mm-hmm. um, older folks attend church regularly. Okay, but and younger folks will say that they have a church. Okay, um, but probably don't go all that often. Um, and yes, the pandemic has has accelerated that even even further because folks that um, you know, that we're in that routine of going every Sunday. Yeah. Once that routine's broken, it takes a lot to go back and, and rebuild it. Um, and, and a lot of folks are just kind of saying, well, um, maybe we'll just watch yeah. the, the sermon or listen to a podcast sermon and, and, and leave it at that. Um, yeah, I know. I was saying and, to a friend the other day that, uh, and it was like Sunday afternoon and I'm like, oh, I haven't even watched church yet. And I didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> But that was, I had, you know, actually it was, I preached somewhere on Sunday, but I hadn't, you know, watched a service that I normally watch and that's, it's, the language yep. has changed, right? No, it's definitely yeah. changed. I mean, I know for myself, kind of my own routine through like interaction with like our, our church organization, as well as, as another local church that, that my husband and I attend, it's, it is less consistent than it used to be. Um, and, mm-hmm. and part of that is like, I feel like I'm finding connection in other areas of life um 
as as well as um, I think there's a lot of that routine. That, that it you can were, be what, what you're saying is it can be kind of refreshing to not have to well, go to church all the time. It, it can be, yeah, because there I think there is part where it can begin to feel like like an obligation that um, in in an unhealthy way for some times, yeah. but not always. I, I was at a church. Uh, this was before the pandemic. Um, and just kind of lucked out to be there on the Sunday where they like do the yearly report instead of like oh, yeah. a sermon. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty painful, but one of the funny things they did was announce who hadn't missed any Sundays that oh, year. Are you kidding me? They didn't have yeah, attendance was like records? Attendance, like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, I might have but, been like very good at doing that at one point in my life. This was before but, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that, that is changing too. Like, like, yes, we're in the Bible belt, but regular attendance now for our churches is like once a month or, or maybe yeah. twice a month. Mm-hmm. That's here. We used uh, to consider. That was before yeah. the pandemic too. But yet the machine. And I, so you, we'll talk about the micro churches and the other models that you, you are familiar with. Because, you know, you say people going once a month or twice a month, and yet as someone who worked in a church for years and years, you still have to keep feeding the machine. In other words, you have to have all the stuff there for whenever people... Just in case. Including the leaders of the church decide to show up, right? And and so the pressure is really big. Do you... That's one of the questions I had in these um, smaller communities. Have you experienced that that pressure is felt differently or that it's not present or that people feel good about not having to kind of make this big show every week? Yeah. I, I think kind of naturally when you have a group of uh, 10 to 15, 10 to 20 people, which most fresh expressions fit within that size. Some of, some of them are bigger um, or smaller, but um, I think it just naturally uh, moves towards a conversation mm. towards a kind of, more shared responsibility when, when you gather in that kind of size. And so um, it's definitely a, a lot less of a production and a lot mm-hmm. more of kind of preparing a good mm-hmm. conversation, a good um, kind of participatory experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you still have to prepare, but mm-hmm. it's not, a, not nearly as much pressure. There's less production, a, I would imagine. Well, yeah. And yeah. so have you found that there's been um, a draw from people in these communities to move away from some of that consumeristic model that you can you can find in larger churches of that, you know, the church and the employees of the church and the volunteers of the church are there to make something for you or your family to attend. And that, that can't really exist in a smaller community. Like there's just kind of logistical and practical kind of things where you're just like, well, you can't produce that much. In, in that way, but have you found that people have been drawn away from wanting to be a consumer and more to being part of this participatory community? Yeah, yeah, I think one for the folks that came to King Street Church, um, when we were first trying to kind of figure out how we were, how our, maybe our order of gathering was going to look like, mm-hmm. um, I was doing like little kind of like 10 minute messages mm-hmm. Um, and I, they would just interrupt me. So uh, my, it was actually my wife who, who was like, hey, Luke, I think they just want to talk. I don't think they want to listen to you talk. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's great. So the next week I focused on writing really good questions instead of writing a 10-minute wow. message. And it, it, it wow. kind of took off from there. Um, so as far as like pastors go, um, a lot of them get really excited about 
fresh expressions as a model because like how many of us felt called to produce something you know mm-hmm. like like we felt called to proclaim the gospel to to build um community to uh to minister to folks not to like uh, be do sound YouTube checks stars or yeah whatever. do sound yeah. checks and, <laughs> yeah well, it was always difficult getting you to actually do a proper sound check when we were at the church we were at. Yeah, there's... <laughs> no interest. No, no interest at all. No. Um, I want to get uh, to actually talking about your book uh, called Becoming Church. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the title for it? Why did you call it that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's called Becoming Church, A Trail Guide for Starting Fresh Expressions. And um, this was a, a book that's kind of been in my head uh, since for a long time, Um when I uh, first became aware of Fresh Expressions, um, I learned about this process called the Fresh Expressions Journey, which right. are like the six steps mm. of a, a church, a Fresh Expression taking shape. Um, and uh, what's interesting about Fresh Expressions and about that Fresh Expressions Journey is that you, and this is where it kind of differs from a traditional church plant is that it doesn't start with a launch Sunday, mm. um, you know, like where they have like the full yeah. worship, they've got a discipleship pathway, they've got children's ministry mm. ideas, a, a bouncy castle, got, um, word sacrament, <laughs> yeah. all those fun stuff, you know? So with a fresh expression, instead you start with a process of listening to your community with building relationships, with building a community and, and mm. starting with a social community usually, um, and then exploring, introducing discipleship into that group, and then eventually it, you become a church. And so, huh. um, actually, the, the title kind of emerged out of a sentence in the book that I, I was like, "All right, what do I need? What am I going to call this book?" And, and one of the <laughs> sentences said something about us becoming church. I was like, yeah. oh, "That could probably work." That'll work. Um, yeah, because it's a process. It's a journey. Um, it's not. Uh, you don't start with the program or start with the the institution or the group. You start with um, that journey of listening and building relationships. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, if the Holy Spirit calls you to it, you might become a church. Mm, that's really interesting, Luke, because I think that, that that's, that's fundamentally very different from a lot of larger denominational churches that I think I've had any experience with, where you're not coming to a community saying, this is how we're going to do all this for you, but you're going in instead and actually going, what do you need? What do you want to do? And yeah. I like that. What's some of the pushback that you experienced there? Like uh, there must be from within some of the established churches or people who, you know, not saying there's negative motivation, but even from a positive place, people might say, well, well, what you're doing isn't really church. Like there's not enough there. It's, it, you're just sitting around as, as friends or something. How do you, how do you kind of reflect upon those, those thoughts? Yeah. So I think the language of fresh expression is helpful with this. So, um, when you are on those early stages of the uh, fresh expression taking shape, you're called a fresh expression of church. So you're you're moving towards what we would call a mature expression of church, which is a ga- a church that has all the kind of marks of what uh, your tradition says is church. So uh, okay. it depends on the tradition. Right. Um, but for the United Methodist Church, like I can go to the Book of Discipline or our huge boring document um, sounds really and, good though <laughs> oh yeah great the reading of discipline um, but i can go there and i can find the kind of definition of church there um and it's it includes these elements like words sacrament um uh the uh discipleship um 
mission, witness, right. all those kinds of things. And so I can say, okay, if, if we can include all these elements, then we're a mature expression right. of church. But until we reach that point, we're not we're not calling ourselves a mature expression of church. We're a mm. fresh expression of church on a journey towards okay. being a, a more complete um, picture of church. But yeah, of course there's, there's pushback. Um, there's uh, lots of jokes that go around like, Oh, yeah. we're, we're yeah. having a beer at a, yeah. after our meeting. Look, we <laughs> started a, a fresh expression yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> that sounds like a great way to start a church. Yeah. <laughs> that we're would be the kind of church. I we're would going be for at. a bike ride. It's a church. It's a church. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who is who's your intended audience for this book? Like who who are you hoping picks this up and gets inspired? Is it people that are wishing to start these sorts of things or people that are kind of already in this? Yeah. So this this book is written for folks that are starting want to start a fresh expression or have begun the journey of starting a fresh expression or any kind of like micro church, whatever you want to call it, new mm-hmm. form of church, uh missional community, all those kinds of things. These um, the steps, the uh, theological reflection, the practical tips, the examples and stories, they're written for folks that are, are ready to, to kind of go out and do something. There's, mm. there's some other um, books that are, will say more about kind of why we need fresh expressions mm. and what a fresh expression is. I cover that pretty quickly in the first chapter, and then I jump into these um, just kind of pre- practical steps mm. um, for moving forward in that process. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wrote it for folks, uh, kind of a, a wide range of people, whether uh, it's a layperson at a church um, or a, a clergy person. Right. I, I tried to write it in a way that was approachable to everybody. Yeah, you could see like denominational leaders or something taking this material and incorporating it into like mm-hmm. their desire to to want to do things that would be effective if they've if they have yeah seen no. the need for that you there was a line i'm going to steal this question Go there was ahead. a line um one of the lines i liked in your book was you mentioned that a local newspaper um referred to one of the uh projects or churches or whatever you were working with at one time uh they referred to you and that group as a quote small nomadic worshiping community um what do you do you remember what that was and yeah why that reference yeah so th- so that was uh, that was King Street Church, the network of fresh expressions I led in Boone. Uh, we had a, a few articles by the uh, local paper written about us, and this was one um, where he kind of um, joined us and uh, was asking questions. And we, you know, we met Sunday night at the Boone Saloon. We met Monday night at the local homeless shelter. We met uh, uh, Wednesday morning at the county jail. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we met uh, the weekday mornings at, at a local coffee shop near the homeless shelter. Um, and then, you know, like, like our Sunday night group, um, uh, the Boone Saloon group, one of our, so, so one of our uh, regular attendees actually got banned by Boone Saloon for something that happened on another night. Of the I, week. Give, I think the oh. name Boone Saloon. I know. Like I'm, just, I'm a little like caught up in that. The, sorry. the threshold for banning would be fairly high. Wouldn't it at a place called the Boone yeah. Saloon? Yeah, it was. So okay. it, it was. It, and so there's the context there. Yes. <laughs> actually, what was funny was the, the owner texted me and was like, Hey, you should check on so-and-so. Um, we had to, to ban him. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Night. So they were like participating yeah. in the pastoral care. care. Yeah, they were. Yeah. 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 And so, and so we were like, well, we could keep meeting here and, and he wouldn't be able to come or we could uh, switch locations. Wow. So um, we switched to another bar down the street. Uh, and what's, what's funny about that was the bar that we switched to um, had actually 
banned someone else in oh our my group. Um, and so that we had, that's why we had landed at the Boone Saloon. But he he had stopped coming by that point. So. Oh, that's amazing. So oh, nomadic. You kind of get a sense of who we're connecting with. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, that's uh, the. I'm interested in that word nomadic for some of what's happening in the church, like larger scale. Uh, some of the challenges that churches, and we see it around here, are facing in having uh, buildings. Mm-hmm. That you see, you you had the flexibility. So at that point, King Street Church wasn't didn't have a building. I would imagine, right? Yeah. So you were this. These were your actual church meetings. The times you got together, whereas one of the things we're seeing here is that if you have a church building, you have to try to almost legitimize that. And especially around here where property is so crazy expensive. And so there's that draw to try to get people to the site. Right. Whereas you're in a, you can be much more kind of nimble to meet what's your, what's your experience. And I know it's different where you are, but with, with church buildings, as opposed to these kinds of communities that can move around like this. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it really depends on the congregation, you know, like, um, some churches, uh, their building is a gift and they use it well for ministry and they bless the community with it. And some churches, it's, uh, a, a kind of, and something that holds them back from doing the ministry that they want to mm-hmm. be able to do. And so, um, I, I think with a fresh expression, um, almost none of them are kind of anchored to a building. Right. If they are they're uh, it's a, their anchor church's building and they get to use it for free. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think there's some real advantages to meeting out in public, you know, there's, um, the relationships you build with that business, with the people that Mm -hmm. work there, you know, we had our, like our bar, our same bartender every Sunday night, um, and built a relationship with him, got through him a a wedding shower when he got married, you know, like, um, so, so there's, there's that. And then a few of the people that connected with us would wander up to our table and just say, they might see one of their friends that they knew and say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah. And we said, Oh, we're having church. church. You want to join? <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> you just walked into a service. Yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> it's like surprise. Have church. you, have you, I, all these questions are popping in my head as we talk. Um, I would think even some well-meaning ministers, pastors, you know, church leaders would look at some of these expressions and given the, the demands that are on them, like uh, that they would th- potentially look at these things and go, oh, this might be a way to get more people to church. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, I'm going to really support that thing in that in the pub, in down the street. Yeah. yeah, because then maybe the pews will fill up. That's not what you're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. So that's another one of the big things that differentiates Fresh Expressions from um, like an outreach um, where we're not trying to go out, build relationships, and then bring people back to our church on Sunday mm-hmm. mornings. Um, we're trying to go to where the people are, build church where they are and stay there. Um, mm. Cause if we stay there, then we can keep bringing in new people. Um, whereas if we go out, build relationships and bring them back to our church, we've just kind of cut off um, that person from the relationships right. they used to have. And it kind of feels um, like a bait switch and, and bait. Yeah, yeah. Bait and switch a bit too. That yeah. Like you know, all along you were trying to get me to the church, right? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and, and kind of in that, in that vein of like, you, you talk about how you, um, that people that that are drawn to to these communities can be people who who wouldn't show up normally on a Sunday, and I would imagine that that would be either people who never wished to be part of a church community, or possibly people who have left church communities because they didn't um, 
fit or enjoy or like agree with what was going on. And you talk in your book um, about this mass exodus from the church, particularly uh, in the United States. Um, can you tell us a bit about that exodus and how you've seen that? So the statistics say somewhere around 700,000 people leave traditional um, religion every year in the U.S. Um, and, you know, I'm like y'all have kind of pointed out, I'm sure that's accelerated in mm-hmm. the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen kind of updated numbers mm-hmm. on that. But um, but what's interesting about the United States is that it's not necessarily a secularization mm. um, because uh there's some statistics that also show that mystical encounters have actually increased in the United States in the past 40 mm. years. And so the encounters with God, spiritual spirituality isn't declining, it's formalized mm. religion. And so it, it could be understood more as a kind of detraditionalizing than a secularizing right. when it comes to the U.S. Okay, I can see that. Because I think, I think that most people don't necessarily have a problem with faith. They just may have a problem with the institution. So, mm-hmm. and, and there's a sense of what you're saying there is that we, we have to face the possibility that people are, you know, rejecting institutional religion or the church, how we put it, um, because they have a spiritual interest. <laughs> you know, in, in other words, like, and yeah. so I need to go somewhere where that, you know, where I, where I can ask these deeper questions. Um, and there's some, yeah, it'd be interesting. That's interesting. I I was thinking, Allison, when you were asking that question, you know, you talk about people who wouldn't go to a regular church or churches traditionally we've understood it. There must be, we find this here. There must be people that you're working with too, who are very familiar with traditional church and have been really, really involved and just, won't go back is that are, are they at the table yeah. as well oh yeah for sure yeah, i mean being in north carolina in the bible belt like we don't have a lot of completely unchurched people right. yeah you know like <laughs> they went to church with their grandma at least uh, yeah. when okay. they were little or or they might have been involved until they went to college or um until uh when i grew up in western massachusetts we a lot of folks uh went to mass until first mm-hmm. communion and then stopped going, you right. know, so there's, there's a lot of that kind of, um, childhood, um, memory of, mm-hmm. of church. Um, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's definitely a, a big part of who Those we connected people. with. Um, in the book you use, and you, you mentioned it briefly a few minutes ago, uh, the metaphor of a journey in particular, like, uh, hiking outdoor journey, um, for this, uh, fresh expressions journey, uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about how, how that interacted in your own thinking. You must've been thinking of hikes you were on and kind of like, how did you draw that, those parallels? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I discovered that, uh, fresh expression resource called the fresh expression journey and those six steps, um, just thought it was a, a perfect kind of metaphor for a faith community that takes this slow process of, of taking shape. Um, and for me, um, it, it made me think a lot about like spiritual pilgrimage. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then it made me think about, uh, I, I was looking, so, um, my wife, uh, and I have been married 10 years and in our 10 years of marriage, uh, she has finished one nonfiction book. Um, so she'll, she'll read like novels, like once a week, she'll have a new one. 
but nonfiction, she just gets bored and puts it down. So I was like, okay, I want to write this book in a way that is like <laughs> exciting enough for my wife to finish it. Did she um, read it? Do you make her read <laughs> she's it? Half, she's halfway. Uh, she's yeah. halfway. I'm not oh. pushing her. But I, I kind of hope so. That's the true it. test. Like, like, like that. If you can, if you can reach that goal, tell like, her something yeah. crazy done. happens in the end. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell her that uh, yeah. there's a story about her. There's a real twist. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> real twist. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I was like, okay, how can I make this book like more than just like a how-to church planting book? Because I've read some of those and, yeah. and there's some pretty boring ones. And so I was like, what about an extended metaphor of the Appalachian Trail yeah. um, or the Appalachian Trail, depending on where uh, you live? Um, but it's this 2,000-mile uh, hiking trail from Georgia to Maine. Um, and uh, my wife's brother and uh, her mother – um, have both hiked it. The the brother uh, hiked it all at once, which is called a through hike. And her mo- mom is uh, a section hiker. So she hikes a section at a time. Wow. Um, and she only has like 300 miles left or something. But um, but yeah, so I, I wow. use that as a I metaphor to just yeah. kind of st- stir up the image a little bit to kind of break the monotony of how to church planty stuff. You have, And the last stage in that, in the fresh expressions uh, journey is uh, do it again. Right, like, mm-hmm. and so uh, that'd be a bit. It's like turn around at the end of the trail and yeah, go back. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Uh, <laughs> well, um, a lot of Appalachian trail hikers end up looking for another trail to do yeah. a year later, or two years hmm. later. They so come here and do the West Coast, Coast trail. trail. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. The uh, there's a quote. I mean, I pulled a few quotes out of your book. One of them is Simone Wheel when she says, "True attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity." Um, how does this relate to some of the stuff you're doing? And I would think it might pertain particularly to that listening part, but true yeah. attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Yeah. So a fresh expression begins and is constantly rooted in listening. Um, so instead it, it kind of shirks that kind of um, attractional model mm. of starting a new faith mm-hmm. community and says, says, like, all right, I want to listen to God's calling on my life. I want to listen to my neighbors who aren't going to church and find out um, why they're not connected to church and um, and what would be something that they would be interested in coming to and, and how would they be interested in talking about faith. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that attention to um, your neighbor um, as an act of love, hmm. as an act of curiosity— um, as an act of being a learner, um, I think just sets a stage for a, a richer, f- fresh expression, mm-hmm. a richer form of church than one that says, like, I know exactly what my neighbors need. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start it and I'm going to get them to come to it, you know. Well, something that I find interesting about that, Luke, is that there's there's a level of, well, you, you can't be fearful and operate in that way. Because you, you can't be reactionary. You're choosing to, to just spend time and, and go, this is the process that you need to be in. And, and I find that very interesting because I think that there are a lot of churches and you see new churches that pop up who they're like, we have this and we have this and we have this. And it's kind of like, look over here, this is shiny and new. And you go, but are, you're afraid people won't show up. And, and I feel like that's, that's very much a very um, different kind of ethos that, that you're 
that you're explaining and mentioning in in these fresh expressions do you kind of am I getting that right or am I a little like off of base here yeah yeah I think so it's it's uh like kind of assuming that God is already at work in your Mm -hmm. neighborhood as opposed to saying we have something you need um that because that assumes that they don't that God hasn't been at work or the spirit hasn't been present in their community, but, but the spirit has, you know, that, um, (laughs) that we follow Christ out into the community. Um, it's, we're not, uh, bringing something that they don't already, um, have. We're just helping them kind of see what has been happening. But on how like denominations are built and, or exist, um, churches, even like a community church that seeks to have kind of, enough critical mass, right? Uh, you've got paid staff, you've got all these kind of practical considerations. What you're talking about is not like building, I mean, I'm, I'm not separating, I'm separating this from like the kingdom of God, obviously, but in terms of like a church as a kingdom or a denomination or, right? If you're, if you're just paying attention and listening and that's a form of love and generosity, uh, you're kind of dropping that goal of like building a big, destination machine right which does have implications and i would have like you could see how some people would be nervous about that right Mm because who's on staff is that who's got a full-time job then how are you paid right Right. so is it i I would think i'm just that some of what we're facing now in in the christian faith in in north america that some of these models that we've counted on for so long are waning like everywhere i go so united methodist church this this would be the case um i was in ontario recently at some anglican churches out in like small town ontario nobody's going anymore you know that it's happening all over the place um that because churches are really facing decline now they're finally opening up and saying okay we're ready to try something else and and they might have some funds to fund these kinds of things, but I would imagine at, at some point that's a challenge as well, because if you do this kind of listening, it might mean that you're not building that machine that can support all of that infrastructure, correct? Yeah, so Fresh Expressions has a, a helpful image. Um, it started off as a phrase, uh, the mixed economy of church, um, but they've moved towards blended ecology. Um, and it says that uh, we need traditional forms of church and new forms of church mm. that they're not in competition with one another. Hmm. Um, they reach different people and they actually help each other. Uh, it, mm. It's a two way um, benef- benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a new form of church can go out and reach new people. It can um, be more nimble. It can, uh, you can s- be experimental. If it fails, it's okay. You know, you didn't lose anything by trying and, and yet it isn't great at maybe carrying on our tradition from generation to generation. Mm. Um, it isn't good at um, kind of developing a deep theology and ecclesiology. And so the, the traditional mm. forms of church, um, we need those too. They carry on the, the rich liturgy that, um, that we've inherited from mm-hmm. previous generations, the rich theology. Um, and so we can't just throw that out. Mm. Um, and, and yet that the traditional forms of church are dying in a lot of mm-hmm. places or shrinking. Um, and so we need to have these new and creative uh, ways of being church too. Like in North Carolina, like um, we, there are no counties that are like at risk of 
having no churches in them. Um, but there, there are some that like, we're the last United Methodist church in that County. Um, we have one, one church left in that County. And so when that, if that church doesn't do something new, if it doesn't find a way to, to carry on, then our, our United Methodist tradition will disappear in that community. Um, and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not something that as United, as a United Methodist, I want to see happen. Mm-hmm. So I want to help mm-hmm. the church to a, a, adapt to that. I, I think it relates to the listening part. Um, one of the terms I liked in your book, uh, could you tell us what Lectio Vicinitas is? Yeah. Um, so that emerged out of, I was at a, a, a class um, for uh, pastors up in, in Washington, DC. Um, and the um, professor who was, um, sharing with us, told us to read our community like a, like a text. Um, and so, um, just kind of digging into this image of like exegeting our community, um, Mm -hmm. kind of looking for deeper meaning below the surface, um, as we, um, kind of listen to our community, go on walks, um, uh, talk to have conversations with community members. Um, and so when I heard that, um, idea of reading our community, like a text, Mm -hmm. I wondered if Lectio Divina would work. So the kind of five steps of of Lectio Divina um, and, and I applied them to a community kind of prayer walk um, and it worked. So I I kind of put that down on paper and shared that with folks and um, it's been cool. Yeah. It must, it's like such a great spiritual exercise, right? To just, uh, um, I am a chaplain, like volunteer chaplain at a local hospital sometimes. and, And so when I'm not on call, like often when I'm driving by the hospital or walking around or whatever, um, I can see how this model of like, and then do it again with this, this kind of spiritual approach, um, that the listening would, would kind of shape and inform, um, how you're seeing things. It's, it's a great term. It's one of, one of many in the book. Um, I really liked it. Um, and in your, in your section on building community, uh, you start with, with a great note. Oh, this was a good um, about the miracle of Jesus having 12, 12 close friends in his thirties, um, which I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I see that. Um, and it, it it links back to like the loneliness I think that a lot of people are experiencing. And um, how have you seen loneliness in the culture and the church? And how do you feel that? Um, that fresh, fresh expressions. I know, so sometimes I know it's, hard, it's to say. hard to say sometimes. I, I'm very impressed that you <laughs> don't stumble over. I time. know it's impressive. Yeah. Um, how do you about. think that some <laughs> yeah. of these <laughs> new expressions, fresh expressions of the church uh, can help with this? So Cigna is like a big health organization yeah. in the U.S. They do a loneliness study every year. And I think it was 2018, it was 51% of Americans were lonely. 2019, it was 61%. And I imagine in 2020 and 2021, it's going to be like 90%. Those are going to be rough right? years, yeah. Um, like, I, so loneliness, is, it's a lack of meaningful connection. Um, and so we're, we're more connected than we've ever been, yeah. but it's not meaningful connections. Um, and so uh, we, we have a, all kinds of reasons for that, whether it's spending a lot of time on social media or our computers, whether it's um, moving constantly for mm-hmm. a different job and not having time to invest in local friendships, um, whether it's just kind of 
people being super busy, having kids, mm-hmm. um, having extracurricular activities that you're dragging your kids to. Like, there's just so many reasons um, why, but we're we have a loneliness epidemic mm-hmm. um, in North America and uh, and a something called friendship decline, um, where our friendship circles, our close friendships, are shrinking um, over the past 40, 50 years, and. Uh, um, it's true for the U.S. and I've seen some statistics for Canada around that as well. So, yeah, it's so I picture like some of the meetings you're describing, how, how meeting in a pub, uh, you know, with a guy who might be kicked out soon, but still, um, <laughs> there's opportunity for friendship there that is not necessarily, even though churches do some work to try, right? There's opportunity there to form some friendships. It is remarkable to think we could each think of people in our lives who maybe and good people nice people who don't i might not have friends that i can think of not not really i mean the other thing that i think is even in in good large institutional churches it's really easy to blend into the wall if you want to um and and i think that there's there's probably i would suspect a portion of the population that wants to do that whether it's healthy for them or not um because the connection can be difficult and it doesn't seem like there's really a lot of places that you could hide in, in the types of communities that you're, that you're explaining to us, Luke. Um, and would that mean that, uh, I could see, and and this would be okay, that there would be people who look at these kinds of things, uh, the new expressions and meeting in this place or that place and, and, and like someone who would be part of a congregation or whatever, and just can't conceive that that is going to church. And so maybe even are part of it for a while and then are just like, no, this is just, this is just not for me. I need a a building to go to and sit in a pew or a, you know, a seat and, and watch the stage kind of thing. Like have you, have you worked with people who they're better in that context than the kinds of things you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. And, and like, it didn't happen a lot at King street church because like we didn't advertise it uh and and like promote it or market it like we just we built relationships and then invited people to it so we we tended not to invite people that were already connected to a church to our gatherings um but but yeah i mean for sure there's definitely and and that's the thing is with that blended ecology not everybody has to Mm -hmm. yeah it's not a competition it's going to be their church yeah yeah Yeah. And, and like you know so we've got older folks or i had older like older women at Boone MC who would give me a big hug and thank me for what I was doing at on King street. And I'd be like, you know, we're like drinking beer together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and it was because they had a, a kid or a grandkid right, that wasn't exactly. going to church. And so yeah. they, they weren't going to come to the Boone saloon. This, this, uh, little yeah. lady, like she's not going to be like yeah. pouring back a, a, a two hearted ale, but yeah. her grandkid might, and her grandkid or some, come or someone MC. like her grandkid mm-hmm. might, and that's even yeah. enough. Yeah, that yep. there is that, that 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 people are asking these questions. What in our kind of group, our society that we have, this little nonprofit and other work that we're doing, um, we find ourselves asking a question that you mention um, in your book um, a lot, and you said you asked this in in some of the things you were working on. Uh, the question is: This church? Um, tell us about that question and why it keeps popping up. Yeah. Um, so when we were gathering that first group, that would eventually be the group that met at the Boone Saloon, um, 
What's the name it of the film? I, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> hung up on that still a little bit. I keep thinking it's from like a Disney movie or something. That it's gonna be like <laughs> sorry, Luke. <laughs> yeah. We need to. We, cool need place, to we need to. We need the people sure. animate it like animated characters. For sorry, back to the Boone Saloon. We are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, th- so that first group, like it was gathering. We were talking about scripture. We were talking about faith. Um, we were building this strong community, sharing meals together. Mm. It felt like church to me. But when I looked around at other churches, particularly United Methodist churches, it uh, looked nothing yeah, like yeah, them. So yeah. I was yeah. like, so I just started asking, like, is this church? Um, and that en- ended up being a very rich question, like mm-hmm. to, to ask what is church? Or if someone says, oh, what you're doing, that's not church, to, to <laughs> turn back and say to them, okay, what is church? Yeah. Um, because we don't really reflect on that question no. a whole lot in the established church. No, you just um, have your order of service. Yeah, it's like you check you off all the boxes yeah. of what you need to do <laughs> and to buy your church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Or I, like I, in the book, I mentioned this book on ecclesiology or just the, you know, the, the study of the structure and meaning of church. And um, what I discovered in reading this book that covered a lot of different traditions was uh, it was about the presence of the Trinitarian God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the main thing that made something church, like huh. a community gathered around the risen Christ. Um, and if that's our definition of church, there's a lot of things that can be church. And there's a lot of churches that probably yeah. should be called yeah. church. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were going to go. Else. <laughs> um, and you you talk about in your book that that like Jesus is interesting. Um, and how, how have you found that statement to be true in the church, in the world? Um, and do you see, I, I, I have suspicions for your answer, but do you see that, um, there still is interest in Jesus, that it still exists? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's like the, the Gandhi quote, you know, I like your Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't like, mm-hmm. or I like your Christ. I don't, I don't like, like your Christians. Yep. Um, it's, I think, um, what we found at King street church was people were more than willing to talk about faith. They were more, more than willing to talk about interesting parables and Mm -hmm. teachings and stories that Mm -hmm. uh, about Jesus, um, as long as they weren't told what to believe about it. Mm -hmm. Um, as long as it was formed in questions Mm -hmm. and reflections and everyone's voice was respected around the table. And so we had folks, uh, we had an anarchist uh, that came who likes Jesus's politics, and that's why he <laughs> he wanted to talk about uh, scripture. We had um, a young woman who is Jewish who uh, lived in the South, so she was like, right. "I am impacted by Christianity uh, every day of my life. Yeah. This seems like a safe place where I can learn about um, mm. Christianity and about Christ." Um, uh, wasn't there to be converted. Right. We, we didn't try to, right. you know. Um, but it was a place uh, for her and, and for the, uh, the young man who was an anarchist to, to get to have interesting conversations um, about this interesting Christ. Um, I also mentioned in the book uh, this kind of discipleship pathway um, that uh, was identified in um, Southern California of kind of post-Christians as they're moving towards uh, a faith in Jesus that a big stage of that is this kind of curiosity about Jesus Mm -hmm. and particularly, and then the next stage is that curiosity about how does, how do these teachings change my life? Um, Because particularly in the South, everyone knows about Jesus. They know Uh, about Christians, 
but they don't know, they, they haven't seen someone whose life was radically changed for the better right. yeah. by Jesus and by the gospel. Um, and so if they can see that, experience that in a like unconditionally loving community, um, then Jesus and the gospels gets, gets really interesting. And that's interesting. That would be one of the differences to hear, particularly in the last couple of generations mm-hmm. that that's another challenge you guys face there then that when people hear the word, the name Jesus, there's all kinds of association and it may be in some cases, much of it negative that you have to kind of break through a little bit here. There's, there's less of that. It's different. There are Mm -hmm. unchurched people here for sure. People who do not have that cultural memory. And and, uh, so it makes that, but even there, I think there's still, when you, there's still an interest uh, there's, you know, well, Jesus is interesting is still true. Yeah, he definitely is. I think, I mean, there's, there's lots of things that, that he says that make me angry still that I'm just like, Oh, I wish he hadn't said yeah. that. I don't like <laughs> that. Um, and it, it's, it's funny. Cause I think that there has been, um, almost this like sanitization of Jesus that, that has happened in a lot of institutional churches. Um, and, and I think it's great that there are places where you're like, no, 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 we can, we can talk about Jesus. Like an anarchist is a great way like for like the, the alignment of politics. I'm like, yeah, he wasn't super into politics, at least not how maybe people might say he is. Um, right. But I, I find it very interesting because I, I think it goes back to like, you have to let go of a lot of like fear because there's some things that people might be saying in these sorts of contexts that, that could be considered a bit dangerous. Well, there's that church impulse, little, right? That pastor impulse to like correct yeah. the, neg- the wrong statement or something. And you, mm-hmm. I would imagine. You can't get too hung up on those, orthodoxy. You let those sit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, I used to say I, I, I pick my, uh, pick my battles yeah. or, you know, like, mm. um, I, I was wondering if I could read, read the talking about the anarchist, uh, one of, uh, my wife's friends, um, read read the book and she just uh, sent me a comment on Instagram. Ah. I was wondering if I could read it. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, she says, reading it now and enjoying it, it's a pleasure to hear about solidarity based in friendship from a Christian perspective. I'm familiar with that approach through anarchist traditions and had no idea church folks would be interested, let, no, let alone write a field guide about it. Wow, yeah. isn't that that you that must feel great to That's get that? Good. So not yeah, so not only is Jesus interesting, but Right. Like Christian tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Church could be interesting as well. That's so good. No, yeah. I think that's really Well, that's great. a good way to end. I want to ask you one more question then in, in this, your last answer points to it. Um, at this particular time in history for the church, but you could just say for the world in general, your life, you can answer however you like. Um, what, what gives you hope? Um, culture and you know, yeah, don't just say Jesus, right? We'll, we'll accept that that's, that's a given. That's a given here. But what gives you hope at this point in time in the world? Yeah. So uh, my job, I just get to work with creative leaders across Western North Carolina, but also across the U.S. with some Canadians. Um, And like there is just so many creative ideas Mm. there. Like what you were saying there, there is this like um, desperation breeds creativity, you know, that there's just like people are looking around their churches and realizing, oh, crap, like. (laughs) everyone has gray hair in this building. Like if we don't Mm -hmm. do something, the clock is ticking. Yeah. The clock is ticking. And and so um, there are folks that you would never imagine that are 
would get behind something yeah. like this that are getting behind it. Super supportive. And that get, yeah. Yeah. And that gives me hope that, um, that, you know, if, if we can, um, if we can invest in new forms of church, if we can invest in these ways of gathering the church that connect with post-Christian folks mm-hmm. while we still have some resources left. Right. Yeah. And like, well, there's, there's plenty of hope left for the church, yeah. you know, there, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're, Amen. the church Amen. is never going to die, but some of our traditions or some of our structures, our institutions might. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, if we can kind of wake up quickly, yeah. um, we might, stand a fighting chance <laughs> very good well it's clear that you um you know you're you're a good person for the work that you do and uh that you're able to see these cultural trends and these larger kind of spiritual questions um and about community and church in general um so we're really grateful for you taking the time to speak with us yes, thank um, you we're very in much. a different part of the world but have some similar questions that we just translate differently given given the culture where we live. Again, for those, uh, we, we do recommend you tracking down the book, uh, becomingchurch.net uh, is the place you can find out how. And uh, Luke's uh, personal website is faithfulcommunity.com. So Luke, thank you so much mm-hmm. and blessings in what you're doing next. We hope to keep the conversation going. And then through our friend Jason, who you know well and others, um, we hope to have you visit Vancouver here sometime. Yes, and, uh, that would be great. And now is Thank you guys the book so is not is the book published now? It is, yeah. Okay, so it's available now. Available okay. for purchase now. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Take good care. Bye bye. Rector's Cupboard releases a new episode every other Friday. The podcast is a production of Reflector Project. Hosts are Todd Weeb and Allison Williams. Cupboard Master for Tastings and Locations is Ken Bell. Production and social media by Amanda Minor. For past episodes and other content, visit rectorscupboard.ca. Thanks for listening.